0: Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there in Pistons fandom. On this week's podcast, Ben Gulker and I go over the Pistons G League announcement, uh, Detroit's interest in Seth—not Steph—Seth, Seth Curry in free agency, and we issue a call for questions about the upcoming NBA draft. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what you all are talking about. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which is something you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this offseason. With all that said, it's time to go to work
1: hello
0: everyone welcome to the detroit bad boys podcast i am your host lazarus jackson i'm pleased today to be joined by my usual co-host ben gulker uh ben how are you doing
1: Doing good. Some good basketball happening today. But it's the doldrums for the Pistons fans. Those first round exits, man. No NBA lottery to be excited about. Not a lot uh, to talk about, but uh doing good. How
0: are you, Les? I'm doing good. Yeah. Two two game sevens on, on Mother's Day is uh is a pretty exciting day. We got the the lottery uh, sometime next week that kinda doesn't matter for our Detroit Pistons, thankfully. Um, but it kind of matters in the way that you will see how the bottom of the lottery shakes out in terms of who drafts in front of them. But uh, yeah, you're right; it's pretty quiet uh, for the Pistons right now, as it should be. But uh, you know, we still got to talk. And so, what we're going to talk about today is, I think the uh, we're going to leave with the biggest piece of news that came out uh, in between the last time we podcasted, which was the uh, the announcement about the G League. Uh, The Pistons are partnering with Wayne State University to build a basketball facility in downtown Detroit. Um, When that facility is completed, they will subsequently move their G League team there. Um, That G League team will apparently not be the Grand Rapids Drive, the Pistons' current G League affiliate, because uh, the Drive are apparently one of the few profitable uh, G League teams. And so they think they have a better shot of... uh, kind of renting themselves out to the only other two teams uh, left without an affiliate, which uh, are Portland and Denver, if I remember correctly. Um, But what that means for the Pistons is that they'll have a G League team, you know, basically like a couple miles away from the brand new practice facility. That's also going to be built in downtown Detroit. So Ben, how do you think, how in your mind, how do you think moving the G League team uh, downtown in benefits the Pistons.
1: Well, I love it if they take advantage of actually utilizing the team a little bit. I think this year, you know, a guy like Kyrie Thomas maybe would have benefited, but the logistics when you're on the other side of the state maybe aren't quite as conducive as they might be otherwise. So maybe just being a few miles down the road is helpful. Um, Sort of odd that Michigan would have two G League teams. So we'll have to see what happens with the drive. Um, You know, obviously the Grand Rapids area, there's a, a pretty Pretty dense amount of population there, Um, so the fact that they're profitable, I guess, isn't too surprising. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if our state can handle (laughs) two G League teams. It'll be interesting to see. But I like this idea. I think it's a little bit forward-thinking if they actually followed through uh, and and utilize it by sending guys down and bringing guys up when they need to.
0: Yeah, the the team had been more uh, aggressive uh, in sending guys up and down of late. But I know that Dwayne Casey, uh, for one, was not like a huge fan of the two and a half hour uh, time that it needed to take to send guys from one side to another. Uh, It prevented guys from doing things like practicing twice in a day or like you or things like not counting a travel day for uh, a two way guy, stuff that uh, adds up on on the margins. And so I I also think this will be a, a slight benefit to the Detroit Pistons having all the development happening in one city having. You know, even the coaching staffs, you know, living in the same city, um, you know, having uh, interplay between those two coaching staffs, having as little things like uh, guys who, you know, rookies like a Kyrie Thomas, not needing to like get like a second apartment in Grand Rapids or anything like that. Right. Like little quality of life stuff like that, I think, is uh, is a nice confluence of of energy uh, for for the development. But uh, I guess the, the other thing I really wanted to talk about with this was uh, if, like you like you mentioned, if there's – can Michigan sustain two G league, G league teams? Do you think there's a, a market for G League uh, minor league basketball in, in downtown Detroit, Ben?
1: Well, having never been to a G League game ever and not really have any intentions to go, you know, I, I don't I... – it's hard for me to believe that the idea behind this is to try to make this team profitable as a standalone entity. Um, the, the games just aren't that interesting. If you've ever watched them on TV, the only reason you're really going to care is if you're really paying attention to an individual guy who your team is, you know, maybe thinking about cultivating and bringing up. It's, it's not really particularly interesting, uh, basketball cause it's, you know, guys are in and out all the time. There's not a huge focus on team winning. Cause you know, everybody knows what the point is. The point there is to get better as an individual and hopefully get your shot at the upper level. So, you know, interestingly, I just went to a minor league game here in Lansing. We have a, a minor league team uh, for baseball and, you know, there's probably 200 people in the stands, maybe 300, um, and somehow that team continues to exist, but it's not because the team itself is generating a whole lot of revenue. Uh, obviously, Detroit's a bigger city than um, than Lansing is, but it's hard for me to believe that the goal here is to try to make this entity stand up on its own two legs and and make money.
0: Hmm. That's that's fair. I I do think that uh, like it is it is notable that the driver are, are one of the few profitable G League teams, and I don't expect that the Pistons expect whatever uh, G league affiliate that ends up being in downtown Detroit is going to be profitable, but I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot more people in downtown Detroit than there was like, you know, uh, seven, 10 years ago. Um, The tickets will be dirt cheap. If that's, if the grand Rapids drive tickets are any indication Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's space for a small but passionate fan base in downtown Detroit. Of, of people who just like really like basketball more so than they like the G League, and and the prices I think are are what's really appealing. Like if uh, if Detroit FC, the football team, the football club in uh, downtown Detroit, can get uh, a small but passionate fan base, if the UAD Titans can draw like a certain number of people, um, I think there there's a place for uh, the Detroit Drive. I'm just gonna call them the, the Detroit Drive because it's way easier. <laughs>
1: I tell you, though, Thursday Thursdays, that's that's what they need. They need dollar drafts uh, if they want to make money. I'm telling you, Thursday games for the Lugnuts, that's the game you want to go to. Dollar drafts, nice evening outside, fireworks after the game. That can be a fun experience. Obviously, you can't do fireworks <laughs> inside an arena. <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad. But uh, there might be ways to bring people in other than the the basketball product, I guess, on the floor.
0: Yeah, no, and that's fair. And like you and how much were the tickets for the Lugnuts games, if you don't mind oh, asking?
1: like they were like 10 bucks a game off. Yeah, day off game, something like that.
0: Exactly. The like there's there's going to be a market for that, right? Like so every time I go back to Michigan, I try and go to a Pistons game if uh if the Pistons are playing. Um and, you know, I would love to be able to take my my mom, but she's always like no, like don't spend all that money on me to go to a game where like I might not like enjoy it as much as someone else who, you know, deserves a ticket for as much as you pay for it. But, like, if I tell my mom, like, hey, like, this is the same cost as, like, going to the movies, it's like, oh, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll come to that for, like, an hour and a half and, like, see how it is. Like, and I think you'll get a bunch of people like that. Maybe not on Thirsty Thursdays. I don't know if I want to bring my mom (laughs) to Thirsty Thursdays, but on uh, maybe, like, Family Fridays, I think there will be opportunities for, for stuff like that to occur. All right. Uh, so the next order of business was uh, we had a report from James Edwards of the Athletic that the Pistons are interested in Seth Curry, not Steph. Seth Curry uh, of the Blazers. Uh, he would be the the backup point guard in all likelihood behind Reggie Jackson. I think that would preclude them not re-signing Ish Smith. And so, uh, Ben, I guess, how do you how do you feel about a Seth Curry over Ish Smith?
1: Uh, I mean, give me that three point shooting as much as you can. I don't, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Seth Curry. He's like one of those guys, the stat junkies love because of that 45% career three point average or whatever it is, 44% something like that, you know, super one dimensional player. Um, we've talked a lot about the backcourt, who's going to be the secondary ball handler and uh, first ball handler in the primary unit applies to the second unit here as well. Um, I, I'm pretty much over Ish Smith. I, you know, I, he won me over in terms of just how hard he plays and all that kind of stuff. But I'm perfectly fine with the Pistons going a different direction. Um, they need they need some different skill sets. They need shooters so desperately. I, I'd be completely interested in going after a guy like Seth Curry um, because shooting is just so important, and, and the Pistons desperately, desperately need it. Um, so yeah, I'd be fine moving on from Ish Smith. Um, the the cap situation, Laz, you've really broken it down over the last week week and a half, with some of the stuff you've written on the blog. So, maybe you can give some insight into what you think he might be worth and what the Pistons can give him. But for equivalent money, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good with this. I I would be a fan of this.
0: So the I think the thought process is that he might even be a little bit cheaper than Ish's uh, current contract, simply because um there you know he doesn't have a huge role in his current team, and I don't think he's ever. He's never made uh, that much money uh, over the course of his NBA career, um, but yeah, the we the shooting would definitely be a big help. Uh, however, you know, I've also talked about the the need for secondary ball handling and uh, having watched a, a lot of Portland because uh, I've been watching a lot of Dame Lillard because uh, that's my guy. But uh, Steph is, or Seth is not. See, I did it didn't want to do it but i did it <laughs> seth is not a, a secondary ball handler by uh, any stretch of the imagination and so i would be i'd be a little bit wary of uh losing a guy like that for the second unit however I, you i have talked about in the past you know putting Kyrie thomas in at the point guard spot and just kind of seeding the ball handling duties mostly to in the shot creation duties mostly to luke Kennard, and so i can envision a world in which seth curry is also playing that like off ball guard role and, and Luke is handling the ball most of the time and he would be a more established shooter than Kyrie Thomas um, but he'd also be a, a much worse defender um, and you know we got slightly annoyed with Ish's uh, on ball defense uh, the longer his Pistons career went he became infamous for fouling jump shooters etc he was always Ugh. physically limited by his size etc cetera, etc cetera. Seth Curry's not much bigger um, but uh, I think that uh, if you if you signed a Seth Curry, I would be looking for like one more like minimum guy, um, in addition to that to maybe uh, who is a better ball handler than Seth? Um, and maybe that guy wouldn't play all the time. Maybe he would only play in like case of emergencies. In case of a Reggie Jackson injury, uh, Seth Curry also kind of fails the the Pistons uh, backup point guard test of can you start if Reggie Jackson hurts is is injured for an extended period of time? I don't know if he would be a he'd be uh like Langston-esque, except like a better shooter in the starting lineup, a guy who like you don't rely on to bring the ball up. It'd be a lot of point Blake if uh, if he were in the starting lineup. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd mean be okay with it if he, was, if he was cheaper. I'm not super enthused by the idea. No,
1: I think it depends obviously on the money. I mean, if you're talking about a guy who in Seth Curry, he's, he's only making a few million dollars a season – that's a lot different than a full mid-level exception, right? Right, So, I mean, he's such a niche player. He has one, he has one skill and he has one job. (laughs) So you've got to be able to fit that one skill and one job into the rest of your rotation. The Pistons desperately need that skill, but they also need more than that. As we've talked about, they got a lot of holes to plug. So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested at throwing a few million dollars at him, but, uh, It's not that easy, given the Pistons cap profile, unfortunately.
0: No, yeah, you're right. Speaking of that that cap profile, uh, there was another thing from uh, Danny LaRue of The Athletic over uh, wave and stretch candidates uh, for NBA teams this offseason. Pistons fans will remember the uh, most infamous uh, wave and stretch candidate uh, being Josh Smith. Um, Stan's inability to to trade him and uh, his... uh, Short term thinking, I think that was all that was totally worth it in the short term. But in the long term, it has come to haunt the Pistons. Josh Smith's uh, five million dollar ghost uh, is still on the cap sheet through next year, I believe. But uh, they, he raised the possibility of waving and stretching John Lure. Um That would save the Pistons roughly six, a little bit more than six million dollars this offseason at the cost of placing three million dollars of dead money on the cap. For each of the next three off seasons, um, so yeah, two plus one. So uh, you know that would six million dollars is not a a lot of money. The Pistons would still be over the cap, so that would what it would functionally do is just help them um, duck under the luxury tax. It would be useful if um, they traded anyone; you could add a tiny bit of salary in in that case. But uh, it would also open up. I think full use of the biannual exception, which is $3 million. And so that would be, I think the, the biggest benefit to pulling off this move. I don't, I don't know, Ben, uh, what what were your thoughts on, on waving and stretching John lower So in a vacuum, it's almost,
1: it, it's just super abstract, right? There's no concrete thing to to discuss because it, it totally depends on what they're going to do with the money. Um, the good thing about something like this is it's fairly on demand, right? So if they get into the free agency, Uh, you know, the the heat of free agency, right, leading up to that first day of free agent signings, uh, and they feel like they've got, you know, something going that's going to require them to need that biannual exception. This is just something they can do pretty much on demand if they decide to. Um, You know, I guess I would think about it from the perspective of what's the the big picture goal for this team. Are they going to try to maximize the next two years of Blake Griffin? And if so, something like this could make a lot of sense if you've got the right guy who can give you something valuable in a biennial exception, something along those lines. Um, you know, in contrast to Josh Smith, the money is actually quite a bit, quite a bit lower, right? It's just over $3 million a season. Yep. And if, you know, if you're thinking about it from the perspective of an owner and the perspective of management um, you know, obviously Goris has not wanted to pay the luxury tax up to this point. And I don't blame him. The Pistons haven't been good enough to justify that. But if you feel like you've got something good going, um, you know, going into this summer and you have the ability to add maybe two or three new guys this summer, if you go ahead and wave and and stretch lure and those three guys get you to that 47 win mark or something like that, then you're talking about being a, a candidate for an upset in the first round and maybe getting to the second round. And the luxury tax becomes a, a lot easier to justify, especially from the perspective of return on investment in dollars and cents because, you know, those playoff games just generate a ton of money for for the owners and for the franchises. So, you know, this is not a decision that has to be made now. It's a decision that they can make when the time comes. And I think it should be in the tool set. They should be kicking this around. I don't think, given when Lure's contract is set to expire, uh, and similarly with Reggie Jackson, I don't think that um, – expiring contracts are going to be super valuable. We'll see. Um, But I don't think they're going to be super valuable uh, at the time when they expire. I think the Pistons may have more value to be had from uh, something this summer um, via the wave and stretch. So, you know, given the way the CBA works, this is one of those things they can, they can put in the toolbox and use it if they need to when the time's right.
0: Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. I I think the, the other thing that um, you you bring up when you think about waving and stretching John Lure is that uh, you lose the opportunity to, to trade him to a team uh, later in the season who is trying to, to duck the luxury tax. So you lose the opportunity to pull off like a, a deal, like the Wizards did uh, to get Marquise Morris out of town where sure. uh, you know, you trade Lure makes, I think like 9 million, 9.5 million this season. So if you trade him for like a guy who makes 11 million, but you also get like some second round picks or whatever, and then um, you help that that team uh, duck under the luxury tax, and you extract uh, you know value for that for that price. Um, I think that's something that that could be useful, and that's something that the Pistons uh, should look into. Uh, their stock of second round picks is fairly low at this point. I think they have the they got the Lakers 2021 20, 20, 20, round pick and the second this year, but like after that, it's kind of bleak until like twenty twenty four, and so there's you know, there's a lot of things you can do. I think, like you said, that it's really just best to put, uh, the idea of waving and stretching John lure into the toolbox. Um, it's definitely like an option. I was like, before I wrote the piece, I was really vehemently the kind of like just philosophically against it. And after I saw how much money it cleared, it's like, oh, okay. And like, yeah, I, I can see why they would do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely something that, um, maybe they, maybe they use, but I, I don't think, or I don't, uh, I hope they don't. Um, I will say that uh, I forget who commented this, but uh, who asked this, but if they waived and stretched uh, John, all their expiring contracts, that's John Langston and Reggie. Um, if they waived and stretched all those guys, they would open up uh, 18 million in cap space, like 18 million in like legitimate cap space um, mm-hmm. for this off season. However, they'd be stuck with uh, something like $11 million of dead cap for the next three <laughs> years. So, like, Josh Smith times two, essentially. And so, uh, yeah, I'd, it's better to hold on to your expiring contracts rather than, than just wave and stretch all of them. Like, don't get too happy with this. Um, Langston does make less than John Lure. So, if you couldn't trade Langston and you, like, really needed to open up space for the biannual, you could wave and stretch him. Like, that would be, like, what? He makes seven. So, that would be, like, two-something a year, yeah. which is really not that much
1: there's still this irrational part of me that hopes there's something left in John Luehr. I know that's irrational because he has not played good since he came to Detroit, but you know, there was a guy there, there was a player there that year in Phoenix before he came to the Pistons. And I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if he just had a fluky good season and he's, he's really not the player he was for that stint in, in Phoenix, but you know, dead money, that that's something you don't want to have unless the scenario is just, absolutely requiring you to do it like it it sort of did with josh smith so yeah yeah it's just it's a decision you can make if and when you need to you don't have to you don't have to rush that one
0: yeah and you know you'd need to replace john lure his roster spot with somebody you know exactly um i don't know john lure wasn't very good so you can assume that you could find a player of uh equal talent to john lure just like outside in in the free art in the free agent uh arena but uh yeah like like you said, I thought, I thought there was still more in the tank left for John Lore. I'm, I'm not no, super surprised that he was never like able to add a ton of value, uh, this season. But there were times in which I thought he should have been uh, given a longer leash. Um, times when I just got really frustrated with Thon, where I'm like, hey, like, could could John Lore be any worse than Thon? Like maybe, right. but like I, I would like I would have liked to see it. But uh, yeah, that's one of those cases where uh, Dwayne Casey didn't sign him. Uh, Dwayne Casey didn't, didn't bring him in. It's not his guy. So I understand why he he didn't make the the call to play him. All right. Um, That's, that's pretty much all we had uh, for this week. I want to, before we do the uh, outro, I wanted to, you know, ask a question of, of you guys, the audience. Um, I've got some individual NBA draft guests that I'm trying to get for the podcast, but uh, I want to know what you all want to know about specific uh, NBA prospects. So, what, who should I be asking these guests about? Um, you know, keep it to guys the Pistons will be able to draft. I'm not talking uh, John Morant and Zion Williamson are, are great players, but they will not be on the board when the Pistons select at 15. So, I, I don't want to you know waste my guests' valuable time by asking about them. But yeah, if you've got some, uh, if you got some people that you, some second round gems that you want to know more about, or just some uh, some potential guys you think the Pistons could could sneak up and, and take in the first round, um, you know, hit me up on Twitter, put it in the comments of the podcast blog post. Um, you know, uh, yeah, that's basically the two best ways to to get that information across to me. But I, I want to know what you guys want to know. Uh, that that's what that's what interests me. All right, Ben. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, what's the uh, what's the best way for people to talk to you about uh, their uh, their love of uh, Seth Curry?
1: <laughs> for all five of you out there on Twitter, of all of NBA Twitter, you can find me at br Golker. I also check in on the blog quite often. I just don't comment a ton, but uh, so if you want to hit me up directly, Twitter is the best place. And yeah, if we have any moms listening, Happy Mother's Day. Moms are awesome. My wife's an awesome mom, my mom's an awesome mom, but I don't know if we have any listening, but if we have you listening, please let us know we're we're glad to have you so i'm
0: sure I'm sure they're out there um i don't I remember like once upon a time, I could look at the demographics for the podcast, but I don't know if I can do that anymore in in either case yes, happy mother's Day to all the moms, Happy Mother's Day to my mother and my grandmother um thanks for all the support and love you've shown me throughout the years. Um, if, if you have specific questions about, uh, NBA draft prospects, grandma, hit me up. I would love to get that text from you, <laughs> but for, for the rest of you, the, the best place to to contact me is on Twitter at last chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, you can also, like I said, put the, uh, put comments in the uh, blog post for Detroit bad boys that this podcast will be a part of. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. All right, guys, uh, these these season podcasts are going to be a little truncated as long as there's no news. Uh, they're they're going to be shorter. But, you know, we got to get uh, these bite sized digestible chunks of stuff out there for, for you to devour. Uh, we will talk to you guys uh, sometime in the future.